three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. The goal of this episode, like every episode, is to help you be a smarter seller that you can make better decisions tomorrow. You know, I see a lot of Amazon service providers and it's not often I see something like new and interesting that I'm like, okay, I gotta get them. Someone told me about these two guys that exited an Amazon business successfully and then started sharing their best practices. And they have these spreadsheets that we're gonna talk about that you could use in your business. But first, I, I wanna welcome David and Ryan to the podcast. So, hey, congrats. It's not often that I bring a seller on that sold their business. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of different pieces of that one. Like it just, it's usually not an easy thing to do. You know, it's not a lot of fun to go through due diligence. So, I cried, Scott. I cried. Did you really? <laughs> it was I, the last time I cried and the first time in a while, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. for the people oh. listening, that was Ryan who cried, okay? <laughs> yeah. was, that, was that joy when it was over or just like relief? It was at near like near the end point. And it was because we had a very difficult business set up. We're two Canadians living in Germany, owning an American LLC, selling to an international buyer. And so there's just lawyers all over the place, tax people, our accountants. And it was just meeting after meeting one day. Dave remembers and this. It was like five meetings back to back, some in English, some in German. And I just broke down. I was like, <laughs> I was like this is oh, not I, fun. You know, there's something about like diligence calls. Everything just feels so urgent, so immediate and high stakes. You yeah. get something wrong, then they're like, oh, what else are these guys hiding? You know, like obviously you exited, but like we'll start from the beginning. Like, you know, when did you guys start selling on Amazon and tell us about how things grew or didn't grow? You know, what made the difference? All right, cool. I think I'll take this one because I actually started the company. So it was the end of 2018, you know, December, New Year's around the corner. And I see a YouTube ad saying, hey, sign up for this course and we're going to teach you how to sell on Amazon. It's super easy. 2018? The end of 2018, yeah. That's not so, that long ago. Oh, it wasn't long ago at all, right? So I'm like, okay, I was actually, so I'm an airline pilot. That's my real job. And I was just switching aircraft. I was switching from like doing European routes to doing long haul international ones. And I said, oh, I'm going to be busy, but they caught me because they're like, look, if you don't sign up for this course in the next week, our prices are going to go up starting <laughs> 20. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, they got did, me. Did, but I'm did, did you have out. a positive experience with this course? I did. So I, I don't mind sharing it either. It was reliable education, Australian based. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So it was a good course. And I remember signing up a couple thousand dollars and I left my office and I told my wife, I'm like, look, I just did something. I did this like YouTube course. We're going to see what happens. I think we're going to start a business. She's like, all right, well, let's go. Uh, I'll support you. And we had two small kids at the time. They're now four and six. So we had a lot going on at home, but I just felt kind of like this attraction to the business model. And I really liked the idea of it. But because I was just switching aircraft, I was quite busy at the beginning of the year, my personal life and my business life. And we really kicked it off and we set up, I did the course in 2019. I registered the LLC in the States. And by the time we got our first product out, it was actually February, 2020. And that was our, when we launched the product, just as COVID hit, right? So our first product was out on the market, COVID shut down, everything's going crazy. I'm learning the ropes and our first product was a dud. It was horrible. It sucked. <laughs> now you're telling me that you built an exit of a business in less than two years because you launched in yeah. 2020. 
let me tell you the numbers. So that first year, right? This first product that we have, it's not doing well. My buddy Ryan down the street, another local Canadian living in Germany, who's a scientist who's also at home because during COVID, he couldn't go into the lab. Me as an airline pilot also stuck at home because I can't fly. The world shut down. We're both essentially grounded. And he always sees me struggling and working on this thing. And he's like, Dave, what are you working on this whole time? I'm like, I'm actually working on an Amazon business that I have. And, uh, you know, we're trying to figure stuff out. And I heard something about canonical URL, but we had no e-commerce experience. So Ryan goes home, he's on YouTube, he finds Amy Weiss, and he's like, look, she just did a YouTube video, maybe you can take her listing optimization course and learn something. And I'm like, all right, I have nothing else to do, I'm going to do the course, I'm going to learn something. And we start diving deeper, we find Brandon Young, we see his methods, and we're in this rabbit hole now, right? We're going in deep. Both of those last two have been on the podcast, so. So you know them, right? Veterans of the game. I listen to what they said. Yeah. Once you start like weeding out a lot of, because there's a lot of voices out there and we started zeroing in really on the voices we wanted to listen to. And we said, oh, this makes sense. We can do this. That's how I feel. I have a podcast. It's just me just chatting away. (laughs) But no, no, I still have two Amazon businesses. And so I sincerely do try and implement things that I learned. The story is getting better. It's getting better, right? So, and, and it's building up to the best part. So now it's COVID, my personal life. I mean, my paycheck gets cut in half. I'm grounded. I got my mortgage. I got my wife, my two kids are small. So my wife's not working. And I have this business that the first product's a total dud. And I have like 10,000 euros left in savings. And I'm like, Ryan, look, buy in. We got this. We can figure it out together. We finally learned we're selling this dud of a product at break even. We believe in the next products that we found using our keyword research, you know? And that's when I sold him a part of the company. I put in my last dollars and I said, let's go. And we went all in. Dave, I don't know if you know this, but I had just the week before paid off my student line of credit that I've been trying to pay off for 10 years. I paid it off. And the next week I emptied it out again to buy into the business. <laughs> right? It's these two guys with no experience whatsoever, but yeah. a hunger and a drive to make work almost out of necessity because, you know, COVID destroyed our regular careers for the time being. And at the time it seemed way worse than it is now, but it seemed pretty bad. We ended the first year at 73,000 in revenue. Our second year, we did 3.1 million. And our third year, we were honored to do 5 million, but we exited. What category? So we were in gifting categories. So we actually sold gifts. Which isn't a category on Amazon, you might know. Actually, I actually like that. I think I'm sure like it's hard in some ways, but it's also very approachable because sometimes like it actually sometimes it's kind of bundling stuff together. Was that your gift or did you guys like create your own? No, so we kind of created our own, right? So what we did was we said, let's find regular products that we can alter in a slight way to make it a gift. And then the the advantage of that was we could target different members of the family with using the same supplier. That allowed for huge growth. Okay. And the reason why we chose gifts was the fact that, you know, the perceivable value is higher. You can charge more because people make irrational decisions with with gifts. gifts, Exactly right. And what they're paying for is a reaction, right? I'm probably going to spend thousands of dollars more you know, the next month and like I do it on myself. <laughs> the reviews are inherently better because a mom is not going to leave a bad review on a gift that her daughter paid for. So the reviews tend to be a little bit better. I also think with gifts, good, like feels like you guys believed in the, the product, the category, um, what you were doing. And I do think creativity makes a difference here because gifts are an emotional thing. And so like knowing how people feel in certain situations, what they would look for, you know, gift for my baby. And like, I see something awesome. Like, I don't care. It's it's done. It's bought. And you know what, Scott, it's funny that you mentioned it because like when, you know, video ads started coming out, we actually didn't even show the product in the video ad. We would just string, like hit the emotions. 
So what we were selling the entire time was emotion of that product, what it could create, the reaction of the receiver. And that's what we would show the customer and they would just soak it up. They would buy it. We'd get great reviews. We were able to charge as much as we wanted. It was great. It was yeah, great. And I awesome. think as we saw these reviews coming in and pe like we realized we're impacting people's lives here with this product, like it became more than just a yeah. product. It became like a life-changing yeah. gift for a lot of people or awesome. a sentimental gift. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I, that's the category I want to look into. <laughs> now, there's a lot of downsides to this because here's the issue with gifts. There is no such thing as a category. So let's, like you're saying, gifts yeah. for, you know, babies, or let's just say like, gifts for mom, big keyword. But what category is shown on that keyword? Beauty. Lots right. Of maybe things. home and garden in the yeah. summer, you might be like gardening stuff for your mom. So you have this search result page that is actually divided up with products from many different categories. So all the theories about, you know, you just got to get yeah, a better, better it, it's, it's a low intent. They're generic search terms. They're low intent as in right. people don't buy the first thing that they see, well, which makes, which is, yeah, that makes, you know, people are always saying target top of search, for example, but like you just said, people are willing to scroll more in gifts. So if you're ranked, you know, you don't necessarily have to be ranked top 10. If you're ranked, you know, top 30, people might still find you because they scroll. Looks like you guys were right. The business did start to crawl, then walk, then run and sprint. And what led you to decide to sell? Because oh. I actually think if you exited three months ago, the aggregator bubble already popped. You've got people that are going to scrutinize. Yeah, I think we might have lost Dave for a second. Oh, um, yeah. Going back. But no, you're absolutely right. Like the year to exit would have definitely been, you know, 2021. The multipliers yeah. were high. Aggregators were scooping up Amazon brands left and right. We missed that opportunity for sure. But what we were able to do is we had our best 12 months locked in at the end of May 2022. So it was a great timing. We had a great Valentine's Day, a great Mother's Day. And we just locked in our last 12 months, which is what the potential buyers look at. Yeah. So for us, even though the multipliers were low, our last 12 month SDE, essentially our profit in the last 12 months was the highest it had ever been. So in the end, even though we got a lower multiplier, the payout that we got was more or less in the ballpark that we were looking for. So no, no, everyone's got a different standpoint of life, but you know, if you can exit, not every business like is like built to exit. You kind of have to at some point de-risk. Yeah. Your and it was, you know, and Dave and I had this, that we went back and forth on this because on one hand, it's your baby, it's your brand that you've built up. You don't want to let it go, but you were only two guys. We did everything ourselves. We did all our own keyword research, listing optimization, photography, advertising, everything we did ourselves. We had one friend of ours, Melissa in Canada, who did a blog for us. And that was it. <laughs> That was it. But everything else we did ourselves. So we realized we had reached the ceiling that we could grow this brand to. And if we needed this grant to grow further, we would either have to do one of two things. We'd either have to hire a team and neither Dave or I have really any experience in doing that, or we would have to sell the brand to an aggregator and, you know, say goodbye to the brand and let them grow with their established team. And so we chose to do the latter. Yeah. No worries. That's cool. Well, congrats. Now, what's interesting is you guys did everything yourselves. And so you've been in the weeds, you know, some operations in so doing, you have followed up in sharing your best practices with others. Yeah. We, like right now on the podcast, like we could talk about a lot of them, but what's really cool is that uh, you guys put together some spreadsheets that people can follow and kind of has like a methodology and you guys feel so strongly about these spreadsheets that they're for sale. <laughs> it looks like some of them here, some here are free. This is an interesting business model of it. And it's actually not hard to get, it's not hard to get an ROI. 
on a business, you know, if, if you have my business that does like my private label does almost 3 million a year, if you help us mm -hmm. grow by 5%, then like, yeah, this is like an easy purchase. Tell us about like post exit, what you guys are building. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, during our journey, we, we built these pretty intense epic Excel sheets for every stage of the process, you know, to determine our break even bid when it comes to BPC to stay on top of our cash flow to keep track of our inventory and our stock and make in the moment decisions about how many units we need to send into FBA. So we never built these sheets really with the intent to sell them. But as we neared our exit, we started to see the value in these sheets. So that's why we started to pretty them up a little bit and we started to make them for sale. So we have a whole catalog of Excel sheet on our website, devanstrategic.com. You know, we've started our own Facebook group as well. It's a nice, small, tight community right now, but the people who are using our sheets, it's so nice to see them getting the, val the same value that we got out. And especially our latest spreadsheet, which is called, we call the stock flow. It's based off a spreadsheet that we use, that Dave and I used to manage our day-to-day -day operations in Amazon. So like I said, we had parentages. What is the breakdown of each child variation sales last 30 days? How many do we need to send into FBA? We built this spreadsheet based off our own Epic spreadsheet that we used and now anyone can use it. Yeah. So that one feels like just like an inventory manager, but on a spreadsheet. So that makes it very configurable. Exactly. It's simply, you just have to access two reports that are easy to download from Seller Central and using those numbers, plus whatever inventory you have stored at 3PL or on the water from your manufacturer or in production. If you just have those numbers, the sheet will calculate essentially what are your baseline sales for every SKU, essentially how many units do you sell a day? And then it'll allow you to forecast into the future, which is really the powerful thing, because as we said, we sold gifts, which can have massive peaks. You need to be able to forecast ahead to know how many units to order. So you can actually using the sheet, using the stock flow, you can put in your own custom built forecast. And then the sheet will then tell you, okay, based on your forecast, for every single SKU that's going to follow that trend, you need to send in this many units or produce this many units. And so that was invaluable to us selling holiday and Mother's Day gifts. Another way to like look at these, I could almost see this. I see 12, maybe 11 spreadsheets because one of them is a bundle for all of them. I see 11 spreadsheets. This is almost like 11 pieces of software that you only have to pay for once. This is not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. this is not like a recurring... Yeah. I swear we're undercharging for them because we just wanted to get them in people's hands just because like we well, built them and we think they're cool, but you, they're... you know, I'm in the software pricing and generally like there's always going to be a few people out there that you just know you're undercharging. They're getting so much <laughs> value at it. I'm selling like hundred dollar a month piece of software to people that raised a billion dollars. And I'm like one of the most important tools in their arsenal. Now tell me about return fees. Ooh. Oh my God. You know what you're uh, going to glad I'm back. I'm glad I am back. I want to call my this is, <laughs> I'll let you take this one, Dave. I've been talking for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, this is another thing that I think most Amazon sellers underestimate is having a partner. Honestly, like this was a perfect example. Ryan and I were a team. If I'm out, he's in, you know what I mean? And if he's in, uh, out, like the last three days, he's had salmonella poisoning. He's been sick as a dog and I've been carrying the team and vice versa. So if you don't have a partner out there, get a partner. It makes everything so much easier. Just a side note, but the return fees. So here's the crazy thing. <laughs> Those darn well, return fees. Well, here's the crazy thing. A lot of sellers don't understand how it works. And it's because Amazon makes it extremely difficult to understand. I, it's exactly how I feel. Every time I look in return percentages, uh, return fees, the whole thing, I'm like, oh, this costs us a lot of money and this is hard data to get. 
It is so hard. And Ryan has a PhD. I'm not too dumb myself, right? I fly multi-million dollar aircraft. And we sat down in the afternoon and it, it hurt our brains to try to figure it out. And we said, we're going to simplify this for us. It was literally for us. And then that's how we built the sheet and said, we got to get this news out there to other people. So what happens is there's so many different scenarios of how Amazon calculates the return fees, right? And we make it very simple that you can go and enter it. And then if you layer in, there's different outcomes of the inventory. The inventory yeah. can come in in sellable condition, unsellable condition. And even when right. it's unsellable, like you get it returned to you, is it really unsellable or is it like- 95% of our cases, it was completely sellable. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So what we would do is we would always say, just return it to our 3PL. We're going to trust his inspection because it's our guy over Amazon's inspection of it. But here's the crazy thing, Scott, right? So what would happen is if Amazon said, hey, it's fully sellable, it just wasn't deliverable, right? Um, then they would put it back in your stock and you pay them a return fee and everything is okay. The customer says he's going to return it, but the customer doesn't return it. So Amazon is like, you know what? He didn't return it. After a couple of days, they're going to charge the customer as if they bought it. Because the customer kept it, but he said he's going to return it. But Amazon doesn't give you the purchase of the sale. What they do is they pretend the customer returned it. And then they pretend that you sold it to another customer. And they're going to charge you fulfillment fees as if you sold it to another customer. So you actually get ducked fulfillment fees. I did, that not, never I did not know that second that like they charge you a second FBA fee. It's yeah. a second fulfillment fee. It's yeah. absolutely absurd. I literally want to get a class action lawsuit going. It <laughs> no. make sense. Do you know why the class action lawsuit will be hard to do? Because it's hard to explain. And that's why we built that sheet. And it's so eye-opening. Because when you plug in the numbers and, you know, we walk you through the scenarios, you see just how expensive they are. And it just emphasizes, you know, inspections, making sure the price is point, selling gifts so that you have less returns, you know, returns <laughs> on Amazon are expensive. Because the return fees, you you generally only get, have an understanding of what's going on there. If you use like their payments report or like the settlement report, right. that's it. There's no like main API of reports that Amazon gives around orders and all that. That doesn't have returns in a granular, no. like what's actually happening financially. And by the time that unit gets returned to Amazon and then Amazon sends it back to your warehouse to get inspected and then they package it up and ship it back mm -hmm. in FBA, you know, Dave and I considered the, the landed cogs of that particular unit might have doubled and so, or tripled. So, and you're now yeah. losing money on that unit. But like, it's, here, it's so, it so important for us to understand those numbers. Here's my rule of thumb. Tell me if you think this is right. We actually sold in Halloween. That's a bad category for returns. Maybe the worst, actually, because people want to buy something for $50 and then just send it right back. And it's college kids. These are people that are actually scheming. I feel that in terms of like how it affects your net margin, I usually say like, well, if you have 5% returns that hit your net margin by like, say your gross margin is 20%. Well, now it's actually 15%. It takes 5% off. I just kind of, you know, a percentage of returns is basically mm -hmm. a percentage off of gross margin. Is that close? To be honest, I don't think we ever calculated the numbers that way. And Ryan and yeah. I, we don't make any statements without actually running numbers because we're right. that precise. You know? So right, I don't right. want to. It's a quicker way to get to it because the, there are so many different outcomes yeah. and a lot of people run more than one brand and they can operate yeah. very differently. And so again, you know, it's like this like same spreadsheet and how to organize it and Sorry, but you know what? That's a good example. So what we would do in that case is we would actually run the numbers for, let's say, a stable month or two. And then we could extrapolate the data and forecast it onto the year or then onto other brands or other products. And then when we're doing our product research to see what's our margin going to be, we would always calculate in the potential returns that that product would have. Yeah. And a lot of sellers don't do that.
And then they wonder why they're not making money because they're not calculating for that. Interesting. Okay. So back to these spreadsheets, which one drove you guys to make the most decisions that you didn't expect? This is essentially the stock flow, but we might've explained that it was based on our other sheet called the life force, which was the life force of our business. And it all came down to the fact that we ended up getting, you know, a million dollars in funding that had a tight payment schedule where you had to pay back the funding. And we paid off that entire funding in, you know, a year and a half. Wow. It's incredible. You guys moved fast. We moved so fast and it was a bit stressful, but what allowed us to move fast was the fact that we were able to use our tools and be very streamlined and organized. So for example, and that was the start of the whole Excel spreadsheet business. So Ryan and I were inherently different people, but we worked really well together. And one of our major differences is very evident if you look at our desktop background on our computers. I have a nice image of an airplane and no icons or folders or files. Ryan's desktop has, I think, 4,000 files scattered. mad scientist lab. (laughs) Right? So it's all scattered and messy. And when when Ryan and I started working, he loves working on Excel, as do I. And we would challenge each other. And his Excel sheets would be really cool and fun, but they're like a one-off use. Because, you know, that's his magic in his brain and it's working fast. And then I'm like, hey, where was that sheet from, uh, you know, two weeks ago? Can we use it again? He's like, oh, I'll just make a new one. I'm like, nah, this is going to waste time. We got to get more streamlined. Let's make a sheet that is so nice that we could sell it to other people. And we'll be so proud to use it. And we'll always reuse the same one. And that was essentially it. It was for us to trick each other to work better together. And then we started actually sharing it with friends in different masterminds that we're in. And then, so luckily, then we started selling them. And other people gave us feedback saying, hey, this is helping my business so much. And it all came from us just being two different people and working different. And I think our first big spreadsheet breakthrough and still to date my favorite, although the stock flow is now growing on me because it was such a, it's such a great one, is our, our launch tracker. So this is one of the ones we have for sale up on our site. And mm-hmm. it's the probably the most common or the, the, the widest use out of all of our spreadsheets. So it allows you to track your KPIs during a product launch for the first four to five weeks, which includes organic ranking on any keywords you want to track. And it allows you to group keywords into different lists. So you can track how that list of keywords is progressing on a daily ranking across all of those keywords on that product. So you visually, in in one glance, you can see how is my organic ranking improving throughout my launch. And we like to launch in phases. So during the first phase, we'll only target hyper relevant core keywords. If if we're selling a mug that says, I love you, mom on it, we'll just target, I love you, mom mugs. And then once we've established our organic ranking on that, which we can see using the sheet because everything becomes green and nice, (laughs) we'll then move on to the phase two where we're just targeting maybe like more generic terms like mom mugs or gifts for mom, like trying that a little bit more and then grow on that. So it allowed us to launch in these phases just from tracking the keywords in these different lists. So that's still my favorite one. I don't know about you, Dave, what's your favorite spreadsheet? (laughs) Well, well, the stock flow essentially, because that was the one that we would use throughout the business every day. It's our operationals, right? One problem about this is like, you're giving this one out for free right now, but then you're going to end that free period. What's the best way that we can give some value to people in the audience? Maybe they reach out to you directly. What we can do is we can offer it to, you know, some of the, the reason why we did it for free, just so people understand, is because it's a beta. And what we actually want is many sellers to use it and give us feedback of saying like, oh, you know what? I would love to see this feature added. I would like to do that one. And then we're going to take two, three weeks and implement some of those 
requests from people, put them into the sheet for the final version. It's how we launched most of our sheets, right? Free version is a beta to get feedback. We'll make it better. And then we end up selling them. But we can give a significant discount to you guys for the listeners, you know, and then uh, we can discuss that. Maybe do like a 50% off the final price that we end up having. Perfect. How can people reach out to you? Uh, you guys started consulting or, uh, you know, yeah, is, well, is, Devon, is Devon strategic? So you're doing something strategic. Yeah, well, what we're doing is basically we started sharing our <laughs> strategies with other people. And we said, look, let's actually set up. You know, the crazy thing is we only exited, like you said, three months ago. And since exit, we've had so many amazing opportunities come up. And, you know, that includes, you know, buying into other smaller brands that are doing low seven figures. And we're most likely going to pull the trigger on one of those, buy in. And then our goal is to grow to eight figures within two to three years and then exit again. That's our current goal. And on the side, what we want to do is actually give back a bit. Like if I wouldn't have heard, you know, about Amy Weiss on YouTube, then I wouldn't have gotten the start. And, you know, what we realized is you either pay for knowledge or you pay for mistakes. We said we're going to help people, but, you know, our time is limited. And what we're going to do is we're going to charge them, obviously. So we kind of set up this consulting company, but <laughs> we're sellers at heart. And that's going to be our main focus always moving forward. Now, here's my real question. Do you still fly? Oh man, of course. Everyone's asking me, are you going to quit? You know, like we're multimillionaires, both of us now, and I will never quit because it's not a job. I fly airplanes. It's fun, right? Like it's been a dream of mine since I was eight years old and uh, I don't think I'll ever quit ever. Well, so. the truth is if someone exits a business and then they just like veg out on the couch for a while and play video games, like you're on a fast track to depression. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, that's it, yeah. I'm jealous that you have something that you can do that you love that you can fly these huge planes. I found a new love. So I'm not, you know, I've made the pivot in my life. I've decided, you know, I'm not going back to science now. I'm going to stay and ride out this e-commerce journey. And oh, like, really? this is, it's lit in like a new passion in me. I love this <laughs> journey that I've started on. I'm going to continue. In a similar fashion, I got a master's degree in computer engineering and I don't do a lot of programming anymore. I do a little bit, but I'm in e-commerce and like, you know, e-commerce almost feels like, like feels like that first time I sold something on eBay where like, there's just this, like the thrill of an auction, the thrill of just like what can happen because crazy stuff can happen. So uh, addictive though, right? It's so addictive. It's yeah, so hard. No, like you have I, to really... I just want to get better. I don't want to quit. I don't want to like exit and leave. I just want to be like, okay, now what? You know, DevonStrategic.com. That's yeah. where you'll find the spreadsheets. Uh, if they want to reach out to you, there's a contact form. You know, what's really exciting too, is we have a Facebook group. It's a small group. It's uh, very modest, to be honest. We have a Facebook group and where people connect with us. And once yeah. a month, we actually do a free, it's called the Devan Exchange where we just jump on 90 minutes and we talk to every member in our group. It's absolutely free. We give a bit of coaching advice. We learn stuff from other people. We connect different sellers together as well. And it's, yeah. it's basically like a, a really nice place to hang out. So Devan Exchange, it happens once a month. We always set a date randomly based on my flying schedule, but join our Facebook group because it's free and connect. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming and sharing and talking. I look forward to seeing, you know, how these go. And like, I'm pretty sure... In the next two months, I'm going to pull the trigger and buy the spreadsheets myself just to like see how, you know, different ways to do it. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's like two or three of the spreadsheets that I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm pretty sure you said two hours, right? We'll, we'll get you hooked up. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're not going to wait two months. We'll give you the Come on. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everyone. And we'll wrap up with the podcast there. You know, you guys are overseas. It's getting late at night. Kids are going to bed. I'm just starting the day. Tripping over, over router cables. <laughs> yeah. If you found value in this podcast, we always love it. If you, if you share the podcast in, in any way in the same grain, you know, you can leave a review.
I hope that everyone's Q4 is going really well, that you're doing a really good job selling so that one day maybe you too can exit. Thank you, Ryan and David. We'll wrap up and uh, everyone have a great end of the 2022. Cheers. One, two, three. Yeah.